Welcome to WADA, ADA Live Talk Radio, brought to you by Southeast ADA Center, your leader for information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act. And here's your host. Hi, everybody, and good afternoon. Welcome to WADA ADA Live. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Bott Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network, I want to welcome you to Episode 51 of ADA Live. I'm Sally Weiss, Director of Knowledge Translation for the Southeast ADA Center. Our topic today is ABLE Accounts, Answers to Your Questions. Before we begin, I'd like to remind our listeners that you can submit your questions about ABLE accounts or any of our other ADA Live topics at any time on adalive.org. Now it's my pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Michael Morris, my longtime colleague at various organizations. Michael is director of the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University and the founder and executive director of the National Disability Institute. He is also the co-founder of the Real Economic Impact Tour and Network. Since 2005, the Real Economic Impact Tour and Network has assisted more than 2 million low-income individuals with disabilities to access the Earned Income Tax Credit and to receive more than $1.8 billion in tax refunds. In addition to being one of the key architects of the ABLE Act, in 2016, Michael helped establish the ABLE National Resource Center, a collaborative of 25 national nonprofit disability organizations. The center's website at www.ablenrc.org is a leading independent source of information about state ABLE programs. Michael, we go back a long time. I'm delighted to welcome you to our show. Thank you, Sally. I'm glad to be with us. Michael, I've heard a lot about ABLE accounts, but I don't really know what they are. So could we start off with what exactly is an ABLE account? Sure. Um, Well, let me take you a little bit back uh, into the history. Um, ABLE accounts, ABLE is actually an acronym for Achieving a Better Life Experience, or ABLE. Uh, The actual act was signed into law in December of uh, 2014, and at the time the law was passed, uh, the name was taken for one of the individuals, a parent from Northern Virginia, who had helped uh, sitting around a kitchen table with other parents to come up with this idea. Uh, His name was Stephen uh, Beck, Jr., And the act's official title is the Stephen Beck, Jr. Achieving a Better Life Experience Act, Public Law 113-295. So what is an ABLE Act? An ABLE Act creates a tax-advantaged savings and or investment account that can help qualified individuals with disabilities and their families save for disability-related expenses. It creates a new option. Uh, The money that goes into the account, when it comes out, comes out tax-free. The money can be used for qualified disability expenses, 
We'll talk more about that. And I think even more importantly, uh, and really the challenge millions of individuals with disabilities have faced, is the, to remain eligible for different federal public benefits, um, you are not allowed to save. There are what are called asset or resource limits. An ABLE account is disregarded for those means-tested, resource-tested federal benefits. So we'll, we'll talk more about that, I'm sure. Michael, let's talk more about that right now. Why are ABLE accounts needed? Can you tell me a little bit more what the problem is and how they solve it? Right. Well, I think as the group of parents who uh, sat down at the kitchen table in Northern Virginia uh, thought about it, is that um, they thought about their sons and daughters who um, could use other tax vehicles like a college savings plan or, or 520, they're sometimes called 529 college savings plans, um, but they didn't see the possibility that many of their sons and daughters would be going to uh, four-year institutions. So they wanted to create some other vehicle recognizing the extra significant costs of living with a disability that happens every day, every week, every month. So um, they thought about that, and then they thought, well, in fact, um, what we need is a way to save money for the future that will enable to cover those costs, but we want to make sure we're not doing anything that negatively impacts eligibility for a wide variety of public benefits, whether that's income under Social Security, under SSI or SSDI, whether it's health care, food, housing assistance, purchase of technology, how can we, how can we create uh, a new benefit, a tax-related benefit, that would make a difference in the lives of millions of people with disabilities? And so of that thinking was born the notion of creating uh, ABLE accounts. Who is eligible to open an account? Okay, now that is a very important factor. It's not open to anyone with a, with a, a disability. Um, there really are two ways of being eligible uh, to um, be able to open an ABLE account. The first requirement is that the age of onset of disability has to be before age 26. The second requirement is about severity of disability that's tied very much to the disability eligibility definitions under SSI, Supplemental Security Income, or SSDI, uh, Social Security Disability Insurance. So that's Title 16 or Title 2 of the Social Security Act. So if your age of onset of disability was before age 26, and you are receiving SSI and or SSDI, you would be automatically eligible to open an ABLE account. However, there is a second 
method of being eligible. You do not need to be receiving Social Security benefits. And you may be eligible by submitting a disability certification from a licensed physician in your state that assures the documentation and the diagnosis by the physician confirming you're an individual with um, significant or severity of disability that meets the definitions in either Title II or Title 16 of the Social Security Act with one major exception. That exception is you do not need to prove an inability to work. That's a very significant, significant difference. Um, so you could be proving significance of disability. You could be working full-time, uh, not eligible for Social Security benefits because of your income from work, but you could still be eligible to open an ABLE account with a disability certification from a licensed physician. Michael, that's amazing. Having a son with a significant disability and jumping through hoop after hoop after hoop on eligibility, this seems almost streamlined. We've already said that the ABLE account will not affect the federal benefits somebody receives and you listed all of them. Could you just list them again? Well, I, I need to clarify that statement as well um, because um, it's not going to impact what is called means-tested or resource-tested federal benefits. The short list of those benefits includes SSI, which has for an individual an asset limit of just $2,000. It's um, also going to not impact eligibility for Medicaid and, and the uh, asset limits in terms of eligibility for Medicaid varies by state, which can set that limit. It also, two other areas where there are means or resource tested federal benefits relate to SNAP or food assistance and the other uh, would relate to different types of uh, housing uh, assistance. So those, those are the, uh, the big four. But I should also share with you that there is impact from an ABLE account as the money grows inside an ABLE account. So if you were on SSI, only the first $100,000 in an ABLE account, assets would be disregarded. The SSI payments an individual might be receiving if they were eligible for SSI, their monthly cash benefit, it would not be terminated, but it would be suspended as long as the account balance exceeds $100,000. Um, now, uh, the funds above 100000 would be treated as a resource and could affect your eligibility for SSI. Now, even though your SSI eligibility uh, is being suspended because you're over 100000 your Medicaid benefits would not be suspended. Um, and so 
that's um, you know clearly a positive feature. I should mention one other factor in terms of influence on benefits. If for some reason uh, down the road uh, an able account beneficiary was to die, any assets remaining in the able account when the beneficiary dies, uh, subject to any outstanding qualified disability expenses, can be used to reimburse the state for Medicaid payments made on behalf of that beneficiary after the creation of the ABLE account. Um, the state would have to file a claim for those funds. Uh, the state of Pennsylvania has passed their state law which makes it clear that they will not seek the Medicaid payback, and there are several other states in the process of um, moving in that direction. But that is, of course, something to be aware of. Well, as someone who had to be very, very careful that her son's uh, monies did not exceed $2,000, I would much prefer to jump through the hoops to keep the expenditures under $100,000. I'm not sure that's ever going to happen, but I'm willing to try it. Can you talk about what the funds may be used for, Michael? Yes, I'd be glad to. Um, there is the term in the law that the funds being distributed from an ABLE account can be used to pay for qualified disability expenses. And qualified disability expenses is really very broadly uh, defined. Um, it covers um, almost anything that you could think about that might relate to improving uh, the health uh, and wellness and independence of uh, an individual with a disability. It will cover extra costs related to education housing, transportation, uh, costs related to employment training and support, assistive technology, personal support services, uh, unreimbursed costs uh, an individual might have related to health or prevention and wellness, financial management, and, and uh, could even include benefits planning, legal fees, uh, funeral and burial expenses, and even uh, basic, basic living uh, expenses. So um, uh, it is quite a list, and I think what's important about it in the proposed rules that were drafted by the um, Department of Treasury with the IRS, they broadly construe what's included under basic living expenses, and it's clear that these are not expenses exclusively for anything that is a medical necessity, which is the way Medicaid works. Um, it's not about medical necessity. It's about quality of life. It also makes it clear that um, if there are benefits from, let's say, the purchase of, it could be an iPad or could be a, a means of transportation, that it is um, okay 
that there is benefit to other individuals as long as it is in addition to the eligible individual. So there is not this exclusivity of use uh, clause that works with some other federal uh, funding and, and support. So this again creates opportunities for an individual with a disability with their circle of support, parents, siblings, others, to think about setting financial goals, um, really thinking about um, what do we want to save for for the future. Now, what's interesting about an uh, ABLE account is it could be money contributions that go into the account that are used for more immediate needs. Uh, could be transportation to a place of work or transportation to a doctor's appointment. But it also could be used for long-term savings goals. Maybe an individual uh, who's the beneficiary of an ABLE account wants to save up for a, a means of transportation or to have their own place to live. Those aren't going to happen overnight, but those are going to go long-term and it's going to enable uh, an individual to think about um, really uh, an extraordinarily different quality of life than they might otherwise have thought. That money will continue to grow. Uh, each state has set a total limit on how much money can grow in an account, and those vary from state to state, but they typically are hundreds of thousands of dollars which is something that is not going to happen overnight, but it really allows someone to dream about a different quality of life and have a strategy, a method to um, really uh, begin uh, with others to make contributions to their ABLE account. Thank you, Michael. It comes to mind now a question is there a limit to how many times someone can take money from an ABLE account? You did say it could be used for day-to-day -day expenses. Right. So I think one point I have not yet uh, made is that um, there, there are multiple state programs that have been created. The federal law passed, but it didn't automatically mandate that each state create an ABLE program. Um, in 2015, many advocates, families, um, uh, disability-related organizations worked very hard uh, to convince their state legislature to follow the guidance from the federal law and uh, mandate the opening, the establishing of a state ABLE program. Over 40 states passed such laws, and the, um, now the, what we have uh, across the country is 28 states uh, that have uh, opened, uh, established ABLE programs, and it's a moving target uh, in terms of, I would expect by the end of the year, we'll have more than 30 states that have open programs. 
in the first year after the law was passed in 2014, an amendment was made so that people who are eligible to open ABLE accounts are not limited to just their own state. In some states, there is not an ABLE program, but the new law said that regardless of where you live, if you meet eligibility criteria and the state ABLE program is uh, open to taking uh, accounts uh, from eligible individuals from other states across the country, you then have a series of choices. And so we have a situation now with um, uh, soon to be 30 state programs. Uh, individuals have to really look carefully at uh, their ABLE program in their state if they have one and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about um, what are some of the things to look at and how to make an informed decision. But let me go back to your question. Is, is there a limit on how many times you can take money from an ABLE account? Most states have set no limit, but you, that is one of the questions you would want to check carefully um, before you open a state ABLE program because there, uh, it is a minority of programs, but there are some that uh, may set limits on how often you can take money out from an account, as well as what they charge for each time you take a distribution. Thank you, Michael. That's a little bit complex. I would like <laughs> to take a break for our word from our sponsor, which in this case is the National Disability Institute, and then we'll come back and talk more about the different state programs and things we need to consider. ADA Live listening audience, if you have a question about ABLE accounts, you can submit them at any time on our online forum at adalive.org. And now a word from our sponsor. The National Disability Institute was founded in 2005 by a small group of parents, family members, and individuals with disabilities to build a better economic future for people with disabilities and their families. Joining with leading thinkers and practitioners in the disability and asset building community, their vision was to create an environment where people with disabilities had the same opportunities to achieve financial stability and independence as people without disabilities. NDI collaborated with federal agencies, major corporations, financial institutions, and nonprofit organizations to bring attention to the possibilities of economic empowerment that has changed thinking and behavior at an individual and systems level. NDI's public education, pioneering projects and demonstrations, public policy research and development, and customized training and technical assistance activities have made NDI a recognized leader nationwide. NDI continues to change thinking and behavior at the individual and systems level so that individuals across the spectrum of disabilities can work, save, and advance their financial capability and economic stability. To learn more about NDI's innovative projects, please go to www.realeconomicimpact.org. Welcome back to ADA Live. 
Our topic today is ABLE Accounts, and we're talking with Michael Morris, Executive Director of the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University and Founder and Executive Director of the National Disability Institute. We've been talking about what an ABLE account is and how it can be used. Michael, you started to explain about the mechanics of setting up an ABLE account. Can you go over that a little bit more? My question is, where can I open an account and does it have to be in my state? Right. Thanks, Sally. Excellent question. Um, first is there, uh, as I mentioned uh, before the, the uh, break, uh, there, there are some uh, almost 30 states that now have uh, opened ABLE programs. The majority of those states, and they're in all parts of the country, uh, are very much open to residents who are ABLE eligible of other states. Um, so there are a few that are limited just to uh, in-state residents. Um, and interestingly, in, in the southeast, uh, Georgia, Florida, and Kentucky, uh, three of the eight states in the Southeast ADA region have limited uh, the eligibility to just in-state residents. Um, others, like Alabama um, and uh, 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 Tennessee, um, are two examples, uh, and North Carolina are examples of states in the region, and very soon to open South Carolina, I believe, also will be open uh, to uh, individuals from across the country. Um, you know, to learn more about um, uh, the ABLE programs in each state, I would recommend you visiting the ABLE National Resource Center website, www.ablenrc.org. Uh, when you go to that website, you're going to find an interactive map. You can click your, uh, you can put your cursor on the state of interest, and you can then uh, be taken directly uh, to the website of the respective state's ABLE program. Lots of people would love to know that they can walk into their local bank uh, and they could open an ABLE account. Uh, that is not how it works. Um, you can open uh, an ABLE account by visiting uh, online uh, the, um, the URL for uh, the state ABLE program. Um, some states will mail you and do have paper applications. Uh, all states will help you uh, with uh, a live uh, person to help you walk through uh, what you will need uh, to um, open an account. Uh, states vary in how much money it takes to open an account. Uh, there, there are some states that uh, the amount uh, was less than $20 to open an account, and other states have uh, a higher amount. Um, but uh, you will not 
need a massive amount of, of uh, paperwork to be filled out. Uh, a lot of what you're doing is providing assurances, checking boxes in terms of your eligibility uh, to open an account uh, and uh, also information that would enable you to submit that first contribution uh, in terms of uh, an ABLE account. Uh, similarly, when you withdraw funds, um, there, there is an opportunity to, again, certify that the funds are being used for qualified disability expense, but the responsibility is yours um, in case you, by some chance, are the subject of a random audit from the IRS who will expect you to have records of exactly what you did spend funds from an ABLE account on and um, in that way uh, meet the requirements of the Act. Um, the, uh, many of the state ABLE programs have created opportunities for um, uh, automatic uh, uh, deposits from uh, a checking or savings account. Um, you know, you set the amount of funds. Uh, some states offer a um, prepaid card or debit card uh, if uh, your intent is to use the account for, um, uh, for more transactional needs, day-to-day uh, -day or monthly needs, rather than looking at this as a, a savings account where you're, you've set a financial goal and you're looking at something that's going to take uh, quite a number of years for you to achieve the, the funding level uh, that you need. Each state also um, has different choices as to uh, what you're contributing, uh, where you're going to contribute your funds. Some states have as few as uh, three or four savings and investment options. Others, uh, other states have more than 10. Uh, they will help you walk through the process in terms of uh, trying to understand what your needs are and also um, looking at, uh, are you looking for uh, low risk and uh, modest uh, return as a result, or are, are you interested in something that would be high risk? Uh, a low risk is many states have a federally insured uh, depository institution uh, that uh, um, would offer you um, a very conservative return, but absolutely no opportunity to lose any of the money that you put in, the principal. And others offer a mix of securities uh, bonds and stocks uh, that uh, could have uh, uh, obviously a much higher growth rate, but you you could lose uh, not only the money that might grow over time if there's a downturn uh, in the market, 
but you could lose some of your principal. So those are important considerations, um, but uh, again, each state has, uh, and very important to read, a disclosure statement so that um, you understand uh, and walk through that document to understand exactly um, what the choice of investments are, uh, what's the fee structure, and uh, get more comfortable with making an informed choice uh, in selecting between different state ABLE programs. Michael, we're running tight on time, but I have three questions. One's a quick one. Are there restrictions on who can contribute to someone's ABLE account? Great question. And a uh, wonderful answer I can give you is no. So the person with a disability who is the beneficiary, um, absolutely, family, friends, uh, but it's open to anyone. You're allowed only one account, uh, and, uh, uh, but, um, and, you, and you have twice a year you can change what your savings or investment options are. My second question, how many accounts have been opened since the law was enacted in 2014? Yes, so um, the first state to open accounts was in uh, June, uh, summer of last year in Ohio. Um, to date, we don't have an exact number, but, but we estimate as more states open, the number is somewhere about uh, uh, between about 12 to 14,000 accounts open so far. That's excellent. We've covered a lot of territory here. My last question, and this is where you can give your commercial again, where can I go to learn more about ABLE programs and savings and investment choices? Right. Thank you, Sally. I would urge people to visit ABLE National Resource Center www.ablenrc.org. On that site, there's also a tool where you can put three state programs in with a series of questions that will then be answered side by side so you can make some comparisons. Um, I think it's very, very important uh, to use the site to visit different state ABLE programs. And I, I know no one likes to read long documents, but it's really important to read the disclosure statements which are required for each state ABLE program. Um, we have them linked from the ABLE NRC website. You'll also find them uh, on um, uh, the uh, sites of each of the state ABLE programs. I mean, what you really want to be thinking about is uh, if your own state has a program, look there first, because some states also have a state income tax benefit, if the state has a state income tax, for putting money into an ABLE account in addition to the tax advantage when the money comes out. So that's one factor to consider. You want to have an understanding of fees, 
and you want to have an understanding of any limits on uh, frequency of moving money out of an account. Um, so there, you know, there are a variety of, of questions. Um, there are some states that require a certain minimum amount of contributions before you can distribute money. So each state has some different rules that you want to pay attention to. We do believe that there are over 5 million people eligible to open ABLE accounts. So we've got a long way to go. We're in the early days. And I think what really can be exciting is the learn about the success stories from people with disabilities, uh, from parents who open accounts for, for young children and look to long-term savings goals, for working-age adults that um, this, this extra saving uh, may make a difference in terms of where a person lives or means of transportation or purchase of technology that uh, no private insurance or government program is covering. Um, I think those stories are going to really accelerate people's interest uh, and understanding and uh, motivate people to think about why not an ABLE account. An ABLE account is not Instead of a special needs trust, there are different reasons that um, you can do things with an ABLE account. The account beneficiary is the account owner, uh, unless that person has a guardian or there is a power of attorney. Um, so that's very different than special needs trust. There is some coverage uh, related to housing and maintenance that you cannot do with a special needs trust. And I would urge people to talk with a qualified uh, professional financial advisor to understand how an ABLE account should be part of their strategy long-term to support the needs of a member of the family with a disability. Michael, thank you very much. We will have this information and other resources posted on adalive.org within the next two weeks so that you don't have to look at your scribbled notes but can find the information that Michael shared. We've been talking today with Michael Morris about ABLE accounts. This episode and all our previous ADA episodes are archived on our website at adalive.org. I want to thank our audience for listening today. We do appreciate your support for our ADA Live broadcasts. And remember, you can submit your questions about ABLE accounts or any of our other topics by going to adalive.org. Please join us again on January 3, 2018 for a rebroadcast of our very popular episode on the history of disability lessons from the past. This rebroadcast is a lead-in to a four-part webinar series on the history of disability rights with Dr. Larry Logue. Please join us in January and February as Dr. Logue takes us on a fascinating journey exploring the policies, legislations, movements, and personalities that have left their mark on the civil rights movement. Learn more about the webinar series and register at adasoutheast.org. And as always, if you have questions about the ADA, 
you can contact your regional ADA center at 1-800-949-4232. And remember, all calls are free and confidential. Thank you for listening to ADA Live Talk Radio. Brought to you by the Southeast ADA Center. Remember to join us the first Wednesday of each month for another ADA topic. And you can call 1-800-949-4232 for answers to your ADA questions.